everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hootink, and my co-host, Christian Conway. A lot of ground to cover, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, we are so glad to be back with you guys. Thank you so much, uh, of course, for supporting us. And uh, for everybody who bought magazines and Elia's Our House has sold out on the first issue. So if you need to, please get it uh, online at eliasourhouse.com while you can. Second issue is in the works. Um, anything to add, Christian? I was say, you, might hear, uh, you might have a, a piece from a certain other member of this podcast in that one. Yeah, so super, super exciting. We're so glad to be able to bring content to you. Um, so like, follow, and subscribe. Thank you. And so Casey Stoney has been named head coach of San Diego. We're calling it FC for now. I, I, that's, that is my placeholder term at this point, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, England player, 100 caps uh, under her belt. And just, just what an incredible... Uh, like they're taking this really, really seriously. Not that we wouldn't, that they wouldn't, but yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. You know, I think it's a, it, it's a no nonsense hiring in the sense that, you know, the, San Diego is almost the perfect project for Casey Stoney and reading some of the quotes that she said um, today and, and upon her exit from uh, Manchester United in May, you know, she complained or she, she made the fair point of, you know, I wasn't getting supported. She had seen her transfer budget for the upcoming year and, 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 and was dealing with complaints from players that, you know, Manchester United women's facilities were just not even close to up par. And, you know, she said, I, I felt helpless and I felt hopeless. And, you know, she, she left. And I, I can understand that internally 110%. You know, to come to a program and in, a, in a, a, a project that looks so, and again, this is very early days. You know, we don't have any players, et cetera. You know, that looks stable. You know, that, that you know, you have Jill Ellis who has been very vocal about, you know, the, the word that she uses often in talking is like, we have to get this right. And it seems like, you know, every decision they've made has been, you know, they don't have as much, you know, timeline as, say, an, an Angel City FC who, you know, obviously they're going to be the direct comparison because they, you know, Angel City FC and, and San Diego FC, whatever that name turns into, um, will join the league at the same time. But they were announced at different times. You know, Angel City FC has had a year and a half or a year to ahead uh, on San Diego FC. And, and you know, before we, we dive into the X's and O's of Casey Stoney, you know, I... I I kind of commented this on Twitter, but I, I want to reiterate this point. It's kind of an, it, it's impressive to me how far ahead it looks like San Diego FC is than Angel City FC. And the other point I want to make about that is, you know, this is a club in San Diego that wasn't interested in selling an ownership group, wasn't interested in selling, you know, a brand. You think about it, the first thing they announced was NWSL is coming to San Diego. We have our general manager and president in Jalalis. Like, it was all about personnel from day one. Whereas I don't feel that's the same way with Angel City FC, who, you know, like, for example, their crest unveiling, it's like, hey, buy this NFT. You know, it's like, there, there are two very distinct styles of, of focus in terms of how each, you know, how each ownership group is going about this. Now, you know, it's, San Diego is not going to hit every pitch out of the park. I think that's true of any club. I mean, we as Galaxy fans watched it in 2017. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, 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 it makes it's interesting to see how these two teams are going about this process of how do you build a club and with Angel City OC. And the other thing I will say, you know, there's no right way to build a club because, you know, there's so many different factors and unique um, factors in, in each individual market. Right. Like 
LA is a very different market than San Diego. You know, when we talk about, for example, MLS expansion recently, Cincinnati is so different than Atlanta. You know, like there's different expectations, there's different pressures, there's different, you know, whatever those words you want to use. Um, but I think, you know, it's interesting to see that Angel CFC has gone for selling the brand and San Diego has built the team around individuals saying, these are the people that are going to lead us forward. I think that's very interesting. Casey Stoney was brilliant at Manchester United. Let's, you know, I mean, first off, her resume is incredibly impressive. As you mentioned, the 100 caps uh, for England and then the four caps for the Great Britain unified team at the Olympics um, in 2012. You know, you, you talk about a, a person that in 2009, even in the middle of her print play, playing career, was a player manager at Chelsea Women's um, and did a fantastic job there. She's then given... Uh, Manchester United's young women's team in terms of, you know, they've just begun and we're playing in the second division and immediately leads them to promotion in that first season wins 18 out of the 20 games she played or she coached. They didn't lose a single game that season. She beats four uh, top division sides on their way to a league cup semifinal. And that was just in her first year of like fully coaching professionally, like not a bad start. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and she's, she's consistently made them very good. Um, I understand her frustration for leaving. I think that's a big conversation about the uh, women's league and England about, you know, you're talking about these major super clubs that make so much money and yet spend pennies on the dollar on their women's programs. When, if they just bothered to invest in the game, you know, we're talking about very different, you know, scenarios, but that's again, a longer conversation for another podcast. Um, but I, you know, you talk about the Rolodex of people that both Jill Ellis and Casey Stoney have at, a, at the drop of a hat you got to feel really good about player recruitment right now if you're San Diego City, right? Like, you have to feel like, you know, the, things are going to be good. You know, they're going to get good players. I mean, they, there's no way they can't. Um, I think it's going to be very fascinating to see the arms race because, of course, N.A. Luco and, and her contacts list up at Angel City FC is also incredibly massive. I think it's going to be fascinating to see the arms war that kind of unfolds between these two teams as we move forward. But, you know, from kind of... Again, taking off my San Diego native cap here real quick from a top-down look. If I'm San Diego FC, I'm feeling a lot better right now than if I'm Angel City FC. Yeah, I, I am glad that you said that you took off your San Diego hat. But, it, you know, as, as an Angelino, obviously, you're, you know, you've always wanted a, a team here in L.A., and, you know, us Galaxy fans are a little bit like, well, Angel City FC just still feels a little bit LAFC affiliated, right? Um, while the Galaxy have had years, literally, to uh, come up with a NWSL team, they have not. So, you know, if you're not feeling Angel City FC, I think why not support San Diego? You know, um, I like you said, I look at everything that they have to offer. Um, I mean, Angel City FC again, nobody's even taken the pitch. We don't even have anything that we're going to see fully till 2022. But already, I'm. I just have a better feel about San Diego FC, and and with the Stony signing, I, I'm super excited. Like I could see, you know, this being a really great rivalry, even though they're not down the 110. You know. <laughs> I, I think if you were Angel City FC right now, the fact that San Diego was able to get a, a, a fantastically talented GM, and that and that's not any shade to Enea Luco. She's a fantastic. Sure. You know, she's her career speaks for itself. She's just never been in this kind of role before. So that that, that a little bit of a kind of uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I think if I was Angel City FC, knowing the market I was walking into, I'd maybe prefer someone with a little bit more experience around the NWSL just because of the expectations around the LA market. But, you know, again, another podcast for another day. But it, I'm looking down the road, you know, down the 405, and I'm seeing 
oh my god, they got probably the best GM they could possibly get their hands on. Oh my god, they got probably the best free agent coach in the market right now. You know, we don't even have a head coach. We don't really have a clearly defined philosophy of what is our player acquisition, what is our, you know, what is the ethos that we want to be as a club from a player perspective side. You know, and 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 you know, I think we're seeing the yin and yang of how to build a club here, right? You know, LAFC is going brand first. You know, this is who we are. This is our visual identity. This is our, you know, cultural identity. And then they're going to let the player decisions, you know, kind of make themselves. Whereas San Diego NWSL is going, hey, this is who we are on the field. FO, you know, all this is the tangible stuff. We are betting that we can build that culture and build that visual identity and, and all those other buzzwords that marketing people use that I have far too many marketing major friends that I hear at dinner tables all the time. Um, that they can build that through these, you know, these signings. So I think it, it's it's a fascinating kind of yin and yang between these two teams. Yeah, and and there's no need to choose sides quite yet. But you know, like like Christian said, there's you know so many strong points um, that San Diego FC is showing. But you know, I'm just so glad that we're even having this discussion that that we have a, a two teams to choose from essentially. Um, you know, the NWSL is expanding, so. Yeah, I'm. I'm just happy to support. I'll go to both games. <laughs> I will say they're going to play here in San Diego. They're going to play their first at least two seasons at Torero Stadium, um, which uh, is on the campus of a, a religious university. So you're only limited to three beers while you're drinking at the stadium. So just you know, plan accordingly. Um, oh. But it's a five thousand seat stadium. It's a fantastic place to watch games. So if you want like a very intimate soccer experience, uh, and when the Los Dos come down to play the Loyal, um, it's always worth worth. A visit and you guys can visit me which is even better um that's but, what i was thinking yeah, yeah I no. mean, san diego's always been a getaway for us angelinos <laughs> it's gonna be you know this is this is already kind of a rivalry in a lot of respects and it's exciting i mean it's you know i, I don't think there's a lot of you know show-stopping rivalries in the nwsl yeah you've got portland and you've got seattle but seattle isn't really tied to the sounders in the way that you know mm-hmm. you you kind of wish they were um you know obviously Olympique du Lyon bought them out and, and whatever have you, and that kind of changed the, the economy of stuff. But, you know, with the way that this kind of this arms race is shaping up, this could be a, you know, from the first game they play against one another, kind of one of the show-stopping rivalries in American soccer, men's or women's. Yeah. Um, are we ready to talk LA Galaxy? Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about some, some very interesting uh, games that we've, we've seen and, and, and have coming up. Um, so the galaxy, you know, when, when we were trying to record, um, we're coming off a loss with SKC, um, you know, rightfully so, right? I mean, Seattle and sporting are tied. They just have a goal differential that puts, uh, Seattle Sounders in first place in the Western conference. Um, so, you know, but it was the 4th of July, you're at home, the stadium actually had more capacity than the Juneteenth game, which was the first full, uh, fully allowed capacity match. Um, you know, 23,556 fans, fireworks, and, and the Galaxy lost, you know. Um, the Galaxy, they tend to bleed goals, or, you know, that's kind of the problem that, that, that even even that win uh, against FC Dallas, the Galaxy just couldn't hold on to the clean sheet. Um, Bond in that game against Dallas uh, only had to make three saves. So it, you know, overall the Galaxy are 
looking good, um, as good as they can be, especially when this is supposed to be a rebuild year. Um, you know, Cabral finally gets his goal um, that we think that that's what he's been needing. Grantier against Sporting Kansas City looked good. Um, of course, Ryan Revolution was able to get his debut and score goals. And so even Ethan Zubak, <laughs> which I know, you know, people knock on him. But no, to be fair, like when he has big shoes to fill, when Chicharito unexpectedly goes out with a calf injury, um, when you even have other players go down uh, due to injury, it's like, you know, who's going to step up? Who can you count on? Who's going to make those goals? Who's going to fill it, um, fill in the spaces? I mean, it, you know, the Galaxy, of all things, you know, against Sporting Kansas City, when you see that, it's like they're not able to convert, right? They have plenty of shots, plenty of chances. I mean, I, you know, you love the way the Galaxy played against Sporting. Um, you know, with a team like Dallas, who's down on the table, who only had, you know, I think two wins, so far, um, you know, it's definitely a struggling team. You know, when you're looking at that, how can you, you know, it's it, it's like the Galaxy are beating FC Dallas. They should be beating FC Dallas. It's it's the Sporting Kansas City's that they need to defeat, right? And then the next team that they're playing is Vancouver. And so you're looking at that and you're saying, well, that should also be a, a must win. But when the Galaxy have five players out due to um, international duty, due to the Gold Cup, um, you know, you, you're just thinking about that depth and you're thinking about, all right, who's going to, to handle the, the demands that now, that now are being presented in these games. So, so I think, you know, I, I want to go back to a point that, you know, our Raiders of the Lost Ark file, that was the recording we did after SKC and, and the point that I kind of really hammered home was, but did that game against SKC really feel like a loss? Did it actually, you know... Yes, the scoreline says 2-0. Yes, they concede a cheap goal in the end of the game because they're, you know, everyone's pulled forward trying to find an equalizer. But, I mean, the underlying numbers are really good. I mean, it's a 2.0 total team ex- uh, expected goals from the Galaxy. And, yes, I, 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 my, my normal disclaimer that I think XG is kind of a weird stat that, you know, is mishandled and misused. But I think in this case it does say a lot. You know, they, you, know you look at a lot of the Galaxy's chances. They were high percentage chances. It's just they didn't put them in the back of the net. And then... You know, you go to the game against Dallas where a lot of the same passages of play, I, I think the movement against Dallas was was phenomenal. I mean, I texted you, I think, in the, in the middle of that first half against Dallas, just all exclamation points and a lot of words that we don't like to use on this podcast, talking about just some of the movement in that first half. But I mean, you know, this is the Galaxy starting to kind of find its identity. You know, I think, you know, Vanny, you know, had to get results early, right? Because 2020 was such a bad year for the Galaxy. And yes, you know, I think we all, he he knew what he was walking into in terms of expectation, in terms of, you know, hey, I've got to give something to these guys early for them to start buying into my project. And so he kind of buffaloed his way through a, a couple of early wins. But if you, the, the SKC game and the Dallas game is what I think this Galaxy team is going to look like moving forward. It's going to be a team that is smart in possession, that uses the ball to effect, that's quick in transition, you know, that can interchange fast, that can, you know, you know, take it to teams in terms of pace. And it, it worked out brilliantly against Dallas. Now, as you said, Dallas has struggled. I think that's that's fair to say. And, and Luchi Gonzalez's seat in Dallas is probably uh, on fire right now. But, you know, that SKC loss, I, I left not being mad. I mean, you know, even the possession battle was a little bit closer than I think, you know, 
Vanny wanted it, but you know, they led in pretty much every other major stat that you know indicates dominance of a game. They just couldn't finish, and maybe that's you know, Chicharito goes out injured. Oh shoot, we have to figure out you know tactically what we're going to do with you know twenty minutes before kickoff. I can understand that, but it, you know, it's it's about kind of the overarching um, framework of what we saw against SKC in Dallas, which was incredibly good, and you know, I think you know, they probably need a backup striker, right? Like they need to go out and get someone that's a little bit more reliable than Ethan Zubak, just simply because I think Ethan Zubak isn't either at the level yet that he needs to be, or he's still learning from, keep in mind, let's look at who Ethan Zubak throughout his Galaxy tenure has learned through. I mean, he's learned from Ibrahimovic and he's learned from Chicharito. Not bad names in terms of finishers, if I do say so myself, right? You know, like, so so maybe it's still a learning curve with him. And, and you know, there's some players, I mean, you talk about, you know, I hate to mention his name on this podcast, but Chris Wondolowski didn't really bloom in his career until he was 27, 28. You know, so maybe that's where he is, you know, in, in his development cycle is that he just he's a, a late bloomer. But I think it's it's interesting that both in against Dallas and against SKC, the one big tactical thing that I've noticed a lot is that they're letting Victor Vasquez flow so freely next to the center forward. And basically the plan at this point, and maybe this is to take pressure off Chicharito having to be creator and finisher, but I think this really helps um, helps Zubac on this on the on the third goal against Dallas, which is that you know between you know Victor Vasquez and then Grancier tucking inside and Cabral tucking inside, you know switching off on that on that opportunity. Basically, Vanny's telling his finishers, "Hey, all you got to do is just get in good positions. Like all you got to do is get into smart positions. You don't have to do the creative work." You know, let other people do that for you. Just focus on finishing. And I think against SKC, we saw so many opportunities where, like, that was the case. And just some days you're just snake bit in front of goal. Just sometimes you, know, you have you do everything right, and it doesn't go in the back of the net, and it sucks and it's miserable. But against Dallas, we saw the exact same ethos of, "Hey, we will do all the work for you. Just get yourself into smart positions." And what happens? Zubek scores in that game. Cabral scores in this game. You know, Revolution scores off uh, a free kick, or um, excuse me, a corner kick. You know, like, the Galaxy are now a well-oiled machine that can attack you from multiple different angles now. It's no longer about, well, if Chicharito goes down, what the heck's going to happen? Now the Galaxy have enough that I think what we've seen in these past two games, and yes, it is two games. Two games is a small sample. I get it. Um, the, I've just seen enough where I, I really am in love with this Galaxy attack and the way they move, the way that they can quickly, in transition, get the ball into the attacking third in ways that make defenses uncomfortable. I don't think we've had that in a very long time. And I think, you know, you look at the next four games, three of them are on the road. They play Vancouver, RSL, and I believe um, one team that's under the playoff line. And and I apologize that it's not coming to me right now. You know, those are winnable games. Oh, they play Dallas again. Excuse me. Um, Those are all winnable games. I think, you know, there's a lot to be positive about. It's exciting now. Cause I mean, and you just wonder like, how is everyone going to slot in? Like I remember there was times against, SKC or and Dallas were like, man, I'd love to see Efrain in this midfield. Like, how fun would this be? And, you know, I think that's the word to use around this team right now is, is in the past 180 minutes is fun. I mean, yes, they lost to SKC, but if you look at SKC in that game, I think SKC got on the plane that night and was like, thank God we're going. Like, that could have been bad. And Dallas, of course, you know, like we caveating again, they, were, they struggled and, you know, the Galaxy outperformed XG in that game. But you look at the heat map for that game. I mean, the Galaxy were pulling Dallas all over the field. I mean, you look at the disconnect between the wing backs and the center backs. And I mean, that center of midfield was is basically stacked in like a 
in, in like a stoplight formation simply because it was just like, where do we go? There's just so many bodies around us. We don't know what to do. If the Galaxy can overwhelm teams like that, I really like our chances moving forward in the year. Now, of course, defense is a question. They probably shouldn't concede a goal to Dallas. I mean, the goal they conceded to Dallas is pretty cheap. Um, I'd say the second goal against SKC, I'm taking out of the equation. I think that's just one of those goals where you, you're pushing people forward. It's the 92nd minute. You know, obviously you're bringing center backs up, whatever. They get an easy ball, ping it out. Kyrie Shelton finishes those more often than not. I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, the, the first goal against SKC, I think it's a little bit of some defensive questions. But again, keep in mind, everyone comes back. You know, all the people that were supposed to make this defense, this defense, all come back when we play this weekend. And that's, you know, Derek Williams, mainly, especially. So I think there's a lot, like, if you, if you come out of this 180 minutes, the one thing I would say is there's a lot to be excited about. These next three games, on the road of the next three, they play Vancouver, they play RSL, they play Dallas. These are three teams that they probably should beat. If they can go all three and win all three, or at least probably get, I'd say, seven points just because MLS is hard on the road, I'm starting to feel really good about this team and starting to feel like they're about two or three years ahead of schedule in a way that I could not have expected. Yeah, and that's all kudos to to Vanny as well, um, you know, for putting this together. And, and you know, we, we can't stop mentioning Escaloto on this pod because and, and comparing because you just, you can see the, the pieces that have come together with this team and, and you can see it working. Um, and, and like you said, like now, now the Galaxy have depth. Now I don't have to worry as as much as when somebody gets injured. I mean, you know, it still is troublesome because you're like, no, Koulibaly, like, <laughs> you're the whole reason, you know, that we're rooting for you. Um, and, you know, and then he goes out. But, you know, and then Augustine Williams um, gets gets in, but then you hear kind of from Vanny that he hasn't really been looking as good. And so uh, Sasha Kleshton as well, um, stepping up, but also, um, you know, he gets tired. He's human, and, you know, he's on the other side of 30. And so... You know, when you when you look at who the Galaxy have to depend on, I mean, even Saldana didn't start looking good. You know, even he started to, you're like, whoa, what are you doing there, dude? And you're like losing the ball and like, you know, putting us in jeopardy. Um, yeah, so Saldana had a really mm-hmm. rough game against SKC. I, I think that yeah. that's kind of my one big negative of SKC is that, you know, but, but Saldana is a young player, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, the, these are the games that player, young players like him take, which is two steps forward, one step back. He had... You know, a couple of very good performances, especially at the beginning of the season when we didn't really know how this midfield was going to balance. And Greg Vanny asked a kid that really hasn't had a lot of professional experience with the Galaxy to step in on some very big games. I mean, obviously, the game against LAFC, you know, Greg Vanny trusts him from the start. A guy like Shaloto would never do that. And, and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you, you, know, you, you bring up Shaloto and, you know, I, I hate to, to dunk on a dead man's grave, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it, the the players have bought into this in a way that they never bought in with Shiloto, right? Like it does feel just like everyone's in everyone. Everyone's invested 110% every day. And yeah, we've seen the, the speeches of Annie in the locker room and yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's easy Play to like brothers. Yeah. And you know, I, if he ever leaves the galaxy, God forbid, and he wants to be a life coach, I am more than happy to pay him double his normal salary because I want that kind of motivation in my life. Um, but it's, it just feels like everyone's bought in in a way that was never the case in the Shaloto era. And, I, and yes, there was personalities. I think there's one big Swedish personality that we can maybe blame for that as well. But mm-hmm. it does. And, and it's, it's not just necessarily buying in from the veterans, right? Because, I mean, look at the trust that he's given Sasha and he's given, you know, 
he's given Victor and he's given all these older guys, you know, that means a lot to them. But it's also the young players. I mean, you mentioned Augie, and Augie did struggle a little bit in this one. And I mean, but again, he's a young player. That those will happen. Yeah, and he had just come back from Sierra Leone, right? Yes, but it's also the it's the 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 the, the Perez's of the world getting a cameo against Dallas. It's or against uh, SKC, excuse me. It's the you know Julian Araujo makes a mistake. I'm not going to bench him for three games because he made a mistake. I'm mm-hmm. going to look him in the locker room and say, hey, we can do this better. You know. I don't think it's any coincidence that Julian Rajo is having his best gal- season in a Galaxy jersey under Vanny. I don't think it's a coincidence. And that he decided to go ahead and sign on for another five and a half, four and a half years. Yeah. I mean, you don't do that if you don't feel confidence in what's going on in the future. Even if he intends to be in Europe in two years, at least you've locked it down for the next two years, right? Like, it, it, it does, it just feels like everyone's bought in in a way that I, it just feels culturally different in a very significant way. Yeah, and like you said about the young guys, um, you know, getting the go, um, Cameron Dunbar uh, was able to get to get in. Um, they subbed Cabral off with Josh Strack. Like, we got to see the guys that we we'd acquired. I mean, yeah, they only played you know during stoppage time, but still, like they're already seeing minutes. Like, this is already a testament to the development in which the Galaxy have always prided themselves on. That Dennis DeClose had said that he wanted to do, that he wanted to develop this team top to bottom. And you're seeing that already, even with Zubac. Yeah, um, I think, you know, go ahead. I think, I think, you know, it's easy to look at a young player getting three minutes in garbage time and it's being like, oh, that can't matter. It's like, no, that matters a lot to them, you know, mm-hmm. because that's three minutes that they can say, my coach and this organization trusted me enough that they gave me three minutes. That is hold this game. <laughs> yeah, this is critical. And, and it does feel like have given up goals in the stoppage time. We saw it in sporting, you know, against sporting. Yeah, but it, it does feel like this should have been what the Galaxy were years ago. And it's like mm-hmm. so good to finally see it happening. You know, it's like I almost think the young kids being as good as they are and the work that they're putting in is is kind of keeping the veterans young, so to speak. You know, like. No, yeah, I agree. I think Sasha Kleshin has to be able to keep up and, and make those runs. Um, you know, sometimes he's going to get outrun, which we did see. Um, against Sporting, but you know, again, it is Sporting Kansas City. Talk about development and talking about young players. Um, Kyrie Shelton, uh, Russell's gonna wrestle. You know, like yeah. uh, Tim Melia had seven saves. Like that's that's what Melia does. Like you can't you can't fault the Galaxy against a team like that. And that's and, and that's the other thing. Um, you know, it does matter who we play against. Like you're saying about again, MLS is gonna MLS, and all of us that play balls and beers knows that it's very difficult to predict even a game that the Galaxy should win. You know, things are going to go the way that they're going to go. There's a bunch of other factors going on. Um, like you said, the Galaxy could very well just get seven points. On, uh, but on the road, I'm not going to complain. And the fact that we're even talking this way about this team, um, there shouldn't be doom and gloom happening right now <laughs> for anybody. No, and, and you make an interesting point about, about you know, Sasha and, and his leadership. And, and I, I, there was an interview that he did for um, the old uh, Benny Saul and Zizo um, uh, podcast, the PSI podcast. Uh, when they were doing it two or three years ago, where Sasha, I can't remember the team he was on, but Sasha literally said one of the one of the most frustrating moments of my career. He was he was on a he was on a bad Red Bulls team or or a bad Chivas USA team. I can't I can't remember the team that it was referencing. And he said one of the most frustrating moments in my career was that I was looking in a locker room and nobody was standing up to taking you know nobody was standing up and taking leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think Sasha is standing up and taking leadership in a very big way. And I think that's you know that this is this is the 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 witch's brew of a good team that you want, which is that you need your, your older guys to say, all right, we're taking responsibility. We're shielding the younger guys. And the younger guys are looking at that and saying, I think I can take that old man's spot. And, you know, that's good. And that's what we have here. And 
you know, if we look at this three-game road trip in, in through the context of a 2020 team or the 2017 team or the 2018 team, you know, I'm not sitting here saying, hmm, I think seven points is probably really doable. And if, you know, if it's only six, I'm kind of disappointed. Like, the conversations are so much better. And I think that's the focus we need to have right now. Um, you know, do I think there's going to be hardships ahead? There always are. I mean, for every team, there's growing pains. And I think we've seen that um, through that little mini struggle run we had, you know, with the SKC game and the game before. Um, yeah, but we still need to have patience and we still need to have trust. Um in the team and you know and it's remarkable to me when you have players like revolution and cabral and grancier who are still finding their footing you know in mls and for them to already be able to adapt i mean revolution against fc dallas was just remarkable starting plays scored early um god just the way he looks on on the ball i mean you know when we were sitting in the stands on the top deck uh we saw a guy with a with a revolution jersey and we even like said to him like are you related to him how do you have a jersey so fast like <laughs> what is going on and uh and and then he scores um in, in in this game and so you're just like it's like whoa he's like no he goes this this was just really random and then you know but you're just like dude but we feel like you knew you knew by having uh that jersey so i mean i i don't really have players names on my jerseys but the way you know we've been talking about sasha question even and i know he was happy to come back home um, you know, I, I want a jersey with his name on it now. And I, the community kit, I have Julian Araujo, and, and that was before I knew that he was going to stay. But it's just because, like, you can see. You can see the heart. You can see the passion. You can see, you know, more than potential. You can see what they're bringing to this team. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, the one thing that I would say is it looks like they're playing with thought. You know, like, Cabral, especially against Dallas, just, I mean, looks like he was having fun. Revolution looks like he's having fun. Grand Seer, for as pained as he looks every single time he misses the net, looks like he's having some fun. You know, like, that. it, it, it is fun to see a team just playing with that much precocious young joy. Like, it's exciting to be around. And, you know, it's... I'm so excited to see Revolution and, and, and Jonathan Dos Santos in the same midfield together. Oh, double pivot's going to be great. Um, but it's, it's just, it is... It, this is a fun team to be around. And normally teams that are this fun, it's usually kind of like a feast or famine kind of thing where it's like, oh, we had a bad game because, you know, you know, defensively they screwed up or something like that. But this team is just fun in general. Like, I'm, I'm excited for the future of this team in a very big way. Yeah, and when we say we're winning in the stands, I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we mean it. And to be able to watch this team live again um, and to be surrounded by all of our our loved ones like this this is an incredible time this is an incredible time to be a galaxy fan so we thank you guys again uh stay tuned we'll definitely be back after the galaxy have their go against vancouver see you soon